Now, we decided this summer to do a series that we've called This Is Us. Uh, it is a series that uh, it gives us an opportunity to look back over 20 years and to see how the Lord has shaped our identity as a church and as a people over these 20 years. And so we're going back to defining moments. They might have been messages or events or even seasons of time where God used something in our story to shape us and to make us who we've become. My role is to take us back to that original context and to help you to, uh, for those who weren't there, to know that context, for those who were, to remember that, to celebrate it. But Derek and I are doing this series together, and Derek will come, and he will speak to the current significance and the future relevance of these things as we continue to move forward. Two weeks ago, we looked at the, the, Abraham's call to go to the promised land, and we talked about how the journey of faith is always a call to go into places that we can't yet see or we can't yet understand. And all of life, and certainly all of our life together, is built on this idea of walking by faith, trusting the Lord to lead us and guide us. Last week, we looked at our outward focus, and we talked about how the Lord put deep in our hearts and our souls very, very early on in this journey that we were to be a church that was fully and, and totally devoted to reaching the world, that we understand that we're not here to build an organization. We're not here just to build a church. We're here to continue the mission that Jesus Christ began and left for us as his people. This morning, I want to bring a message to you called the River of Life. I would have to say that if there's been one passage I've preached on more than any other in 20 years, it's Ezekiel 47. Uh, Some of you may be thinking, I've seen that somewhere. Uh, It's outside on our water feature. When you come up and you see there, it says, where the river flows, everything will live. That's Ezekiel 47.9. But the first time I ever preached on that passage was in January of 2002. In the fall of the previous year, I had begun to pray and say, Lord, where, where are you moving right now? What is it that you want to bring to focus in our body? And the more I prayed, the, the Lord just kept bringing me back to Ezekiel 47. I just became captivated with this vision that the Lord gave the prophet Ezekiel. And the more I prayed about it, the more I felt like the Lord was saying, this is what I want your focus to be on in 2002. And so in January, I brought the first message uh, called The River of Life uh, from Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12. And I want to read that passage. Uh, You know the one verse, Ezekiel 47, 9, but I want you to hear the entire vision and the entire context of where that verse is found. So Ezekiel 47, beginning in verse 1. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. This, remember, this is a vision that the Lord is giving the prophet Ezekiel. By the way, I will say this. Ezekiel 37 is another well-known prophecy. It's a prophecy of the dry bones. And that prophecy, Ezekiel, the Lord is speaking through Ezekiel to dress the, the current spiritual state of the people of Israel. And the Lord is saying, you're just, you're, you're just dry bones. You've lost your life altogether. Uh, He expresses his desire to breathe life into them. Ezekiel 47 follows on a little bit of the same theme, but is very definitely looking forward to the future, to a time when God will begin to move in unprecedented ways. So here's the vision. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, 
And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was flowing from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and he led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region. It goes down into the Araba where it enters into the sea. When it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because of the water that flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Enangleum. There will be spreading there and there will be spreading places for nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But the swamps and marshes will be left will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit. Because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Now, I want to just take us into this vision and help you to understand the essential meaning of the vision as the Lord gave it to Ezekiel. The first thing that you need to understand is that in the Old Testament, the temple was the physical place where the Spirit of the Lord resided. Now, that doesn't mean that the Lord wasn't uh, everywhere as he is today. The Lord was literally the same today then as he is today. But there there was a sense in which the Lord's presence was especially experienced in that one physical place of the temple that was in Jerusalem. So the the, the significance of that is that this river is flowing out of the temple where the presence of the Lord abided. That means that the river itself is the life of God. The life of God is moving out of the temple and into the the Araba and then the sea. Now, I want you to understand that the, the message here is very clear. That everywhere in Scripture, we understand that God is the source of life that is truly life. And there is no other. There are many counterfeits. There are many things in this world that promise life. There are many things in this world even that can give momentary pleasure or satisfaction. But but I'm here to say today that there is nothing that will give you life that is truly life apart from God himself. God is the river. Over the years, people have tried to say it was revival or it was spiritual gifts. And certainly those things are a part of the life of God 
but the river is a symbol of the life of God itself. Now, I also want you to see where this river was moving, where it was flowing. It was moving out of the temple, and even there, I think we have an insight, right? That God is saying that ultimately, I will not be shut up in a building. Ultimately, I'm going to move in ways that bring my presence, even in this most intimate way, not just to a temple, but everywhere that I am found. And so the temple is, uh, the water is moving out of the temple. And then the, the Ezekiel says it moved into the Araba and ultimately emptied into the sea. Well, if you've, if you've never been to Jerusalem or if you've never seen a map of Israel, this will be a little bit vague to you. It's crystal clear when you understand the geography. Araba means desert place. And even today, 2,000 years later, there is a desert between Jerusalem and the Dead Sea. The sea that is speaking of is the Dead Sea. He speaks about the salt that's in the Dead Sea. Now, here's what's true about both of those places. They're both dead. They're both lifeless. The desert is a place where nothing thrives. The Dead Sea is a place where nothing thrives. I've been to the Dead Sea now multiple times. And I can tell you, I've never seen a fishing boat on the Dead Sea. And do you know why? Because it would be a complete waste of time. There are no fish in the Dead Sea. None. Zero. Because it's the lowest place on the earth, and minerals come from all around and settle there. There's nowhere for it to go. There's no outlet. So all these minerals come into the Dead Sea, and they stagnate there. And the minerals are so thick that you float like a cork when you're in the water. I I know many of you have been to the Gulf, uh, and and you know how in the Gulf, because of the salt water, it's easier to float in the Gulf than it is a lake, right? Well, the Gulf is nothing compared to the Dead Sea. Uh, I I promise you that the first time I went into the Dead Sea, I felt like I I, I experienced what it was like to be a cork, because it's just like you just sit right up on top of the water. I, I remember thinking when I was there, if Jesus had walked on the Dead Sea, it wouldn't have been all that impressive. I mean, it's just, that's how thick the minerals are. And so there are no fish boats, fishing boats. There's no one casting a line from the bank trying to catch fish because there are no fish there. But here's one of the most important insights of the vision, and it's this, that God's heart is always seeking out that which is dry, that which is is dead. The heart of God is always seeking out the lifeless, in order to bring life. This is the heart of God, and this is the heart of God that he wants to give us as well. Um, God's very nature is to bring refreshment and life where it does not exist. And I just want to say to you this morning, if you've come here today and you are spiritually and emotionally thirsty, you're hungry, you're worn out, Uh, you're feeling lifeless and and you're wondering if it all matters at all. I want you to hear this morning that God's heart is for you. God's heart is coming after you. It is not an accident that you are here this morning because God wants you to hear that there is a source of life that is truly life and it's him. I, I think it's also incredibly powerful here what the vision is not. The vision is not of the people of God going into the temple with their buckets and dipping their buckets into a pool of water and then going into the desert and passing out water. 
I want to say this morning that God is way ahead of us. God is moving into those places long before we ever show up. The truth of the matter is God doesn't need our buckets. God is already going to these dry places. The invitation to us is to get in the river and to be a part of what he is doing. That's the invitation. I want you to see as well uh, the, the depths of the river. It talks about the, the water being ankle deep and then knee deep and then waist deep and then over their head deep. Now I remember the year, it was not in 2002 but a little later when this really became profound for us as a church. The insight began to emerge that the truth of the matter is the, the shallow waters are more comfortable. Because when you're standing in the shallow water, you can see the bottom. And that also means you can see whatever is swimming around your legs as well, right? You can see what's there. And, and we're, in our natural state, we long to see. We're, we fear what we can't see. We fear what we can't understand. And, and when we're in the shallow places, we can see very clearly in the water. But even more importantly than that, when we are in the shallows... We are standing on our own two feet. We're in a place where we're still in control. We determine how deep we go. We determine when we come out. We determine whether we go down or whether we stand up. We're still in control. When God calls us into the deep, what he's really doing is inviting us to come into a place where we are no longer in control. He says, are you willing to trust me and to come into this deep place where you will no longer be in control? You will surrender fully to the life of the river. And I want to tell you, I'm not, gonna, I'm, not gonna, uh, sell, I'm not here to sell you a bill of goods. That can, be, that can be so frightening. It can be so scary when the Lord calls us into places that are so deep we can't see the bottom and into places where we are no longer in control. But I want to tell you that it's there that we find the abundant life that Jesus promised to give. That's why the whole gospel is based on this idea that until you die, take up your own cross, we will never know his life. It's not until we surrender and we give up to the life of the river that we truly begin to experience the depths of the life that only God can bring. But I want to say that the key of this whole thing, the thing that captured our hearts in 2002, and quite frankly, has captured it ever since, is this very simple insight that life exists and life is most profound where the river is moving. Think about the literal meaning of those words. Where the river flows, everything will live. Where the river is moving, everything will live. And out of that, we gain this unbelievable insight that God did not make you or me or us to be lakes, but to be rivers. God did not intend for us to receive his blessings and and hold on to them so that eventually they begin to become stagnant and stale. What God longs to do is to be constantly bringing fresh and dynamic water into our lives. God says, I want you to come into this place where I am constantly refreshing you. And the key to it is this, that as the Lord refreshes us, our hands are wide open and we are giving ourselves freely to bless others. This goes right back to where we were last week again, doesn't it? 
that our whole mission is to be channels of the life of God, where God blesses us but then moves through us to bless others. And I will tell you that for now almost 20 years, we have been living with this deep understanding of what it means to be a river people rather than a lake people. Now, I've got to tell you this one story that was very, very significant when this message was first preached. Um, in the fall of 2001, in December of 2001, our board met and we were facing a very significant financial deficit. Uh, it was a deficit that, quite frankly, we weren't sure how we were going to how we were going to get over. And this was only our third year as a church. Um, as we were looking at that deficit, one of our board members, uh, well, we just prayed and said, "Okay, Lord, we're going to trust you with this." After we prayed, one of our board members proposed that if we had any surplus at the end of the year, that we would give fifty percent of it to missions, so that there were any surplus that we would give it away to bless other people outside of ourselves. Now, i got to be totally frank with you and tell you that when that proposal was made, there was no argument because we were looking at a deficit that we were confident uh, it was bigger than us. And we thought, yeah, if the Lord gives us more than we need, we would readily give half of it away. And so we, we just immediately passed that proposal. Mary Lou Malsby, some of you know Mary Lou, is the one that made that proposal. We still call it the Mary the Mary Lou rule. And uh, it's one of our basic rules that if the Lord gives us more than we need, we want to give generously to bless others outside of ourselves. Well, here's what happened. On the last week of December, a member of our church came to me and said, uh, Pastor Keith, I've sold a business and I feel like the Lord wants me to tithe that sale. And he handed me a check for almost seven times the amount of our deficit almost seven times the amount of our deficit. And then he said these words to me. He said, now, here's the thing. I know at some point we're going to be building a building. We may need to buy land, build a building. If you want to put that in the building fund, it's fine with me. If you want to put it in the budget, that's fine with me. He essentially gave us free reign to put it wherever we wanted to put it. Now, I don't know about you, if you've learned this yet. If you haven't, let me just give you a heads up. When the Lord gives you new insight... When the Lord gives you a new revelation and you respond in your heart and you say, yes, Lord, yes, I want to live out of the truth of this, of this principle from your word, he will often present you with a test to see if you really mean it, to see if you really are serious about what you're saying. And here is the test that we faced on that day. We had been given full permission to put it in the building fund, which meant 100% of it would stay with us. Or we would put it in the budget, and it would lead to a significant surplus, and we would end up giving away half of it to other people. I remember going to the board and saying, hey, I, I can't make this decision by myself. I want to bring it to you. And I want to say to you that that was one of the shortest decisions we've ever made Less than five minutes, the board said, without hesitation, if the Lord has blessed us with more than we need, we want to be generous in giving it to others. And just like that, we decided all of it goes to the budget. We ended up with a surplus of uh, something like $90,000 that year, and we're able to give away most of it uh, to other people because of the Lord's generosity. 
But I want to say to you that the Lord, continue, you know, this is one of those things where uh, living in the deep is something we have to choose to do every single day. Because I will tell you that everything in my flesh wants to stay in the shallows. And can I tell you that your enemy is absolutely terrified of you getting in the deep? And so between your flesh and your enemy, every single day you're going to be tempted to stay in the shallows. Every day it's going to be a battle as to whether or not you go into that deep place of total surrender to God. But I want to tell you in my own testimony, my own testimony to this truth is this. I have never, ever trusted God in the deep places of life where God has not been faithful, where I have not experienced his life. This is going to be something that will continually be before us. And the question is this. Will we become just a lake? Will we embrace the lake life? Or will we be a people who are firmly committed to going constantly in over our head over and over and over again. Would you welcome Pastor Derek as he comes? Oh, wow. Man, that river is moving good. There, that's right. That's right. Snuck up on me. Thank you, Pastor Keith. You know, I want to pick up right where he left off, talking about the depths, the depth of the river. Because I think that's, that's for, for some of us, that's where things kind of start to get a little shaky for us. Because, you know, that Ezekiel passage, it was clear. First, it was ankle deep, and then knee deep, waist deep, and then the river was over their head. I have a couple of images that I want to share with you this morning to kind of bring what the Lord has given me to you today, and I think it's very fitting that on a day like today, when it's raining so hard outside, it'll make sense in a minute. But you know, there's an image that you can't miss when you come into this building, the image of the water feature out here that serves as our baptismal pool that has on the outside of it those words, so where the river flows, everything will live. You know, and I think there's a tension between what we can see and what we can't see. Ezekiel was, was sharing this dream, this vision that he had, and sometimes we struggle with what we can't see. We rely on what we can see. See, our, our, a lot of times we, we, we hear river and we think of... Um, Let's see, the Mississippi River. The Mississippi River that has, um, is the head of the Mississippi River is up in Minnesota. And it's, it's, when you go up there, it's, it's a fairly tame river, one that you can navigate across, one that looks real serene and, and you know, picturesque and is, as you see a picture. But, but by the time it travels down to where I'm from, Mississippi, it's, a, it's, a, it's the mighty Mississippi because it's flowing a lot swifter. And that's because there are a lot of tributaries and other rivers that flow into it as it makes its way down, to the point that by the time it gets to Louisiana, there are parts of the Mississippi where it's a mile across and you can't cross over it. That's, that's our vision of rivers sometimes. But that's not the river that we hear about in Ezekiel. I, yesterday I came up to the church, yesterday afternoon before it got dark, you know, I just said... I, I just need a visual. And I took a picture of the, of the um, baptistry out there. I just stood on the side. I stayed there for a few minutes. It's really neat. Can't, may, not, may not be able to do it today, but it, it, was, it was no noise around. And I could just hear the water coming out of the fountain. You know, you see the fountain is right there on the right-hand side? That water just steadily flows. 
If you just stand there and just look, and you can hear that water just flowing. And it goes down those rocks that you see. You know, I was sitting there, I was thinking, man, I bet my grandson would have a ball just getting in there and just playing around because it's only ankle deep. But then, you know, we kind of make sure it doesn't get any larger than that. And, and, and that's something that we can live with. We can get ankle deep. But when we think about the Mississippi, you know, we, we, we get a little afraid. Because on a day like today when it's raining, whether it's the Mississippi or the Chattahoochee or the Flint River, you know, we fear that the undercurrents might take us away. But that's not the kind of river we're talking about here. We're talking about a different kind of river. We're talking about the river of God. We're talking about God himself flowing. So therefore, it's safe. It is, it's a place that we can rest. It's a place that we can live. It's a place that we can grow. And he's inviting us into this river. That's the second image that I'd like for you to see. Because when we start talking about getting waist deep, this picture came to my mind. Same water feature out there. Brother of mine, Hector, he's sitting right over there. I remember the day. Can you see the joy on his face? Can you see the joy on my face? I remember the day this happened. I, there was joy all around as everybody gathered around to watch this man tell the world that he has surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. Can you remember the day? Can you remember that day when you, when you were baptized? By the way, I think God is inviting us into moments like this. And I believe that as we move forward, God will be pleased if we see more of this amongst us. When we see people, and you know what? Even this, even though this is something we can see, you know, on a day like today, especially a day like today, even if, if it wasn't raining, you know, kind of a cool day, you know how you get that shock when you get down in the water? But, but you don't, you, you're not in there long before you become comfortable with it. Another image that I'd like to share with you is for, actually from Scripture to set it up. John 7, 37 through 38. Because, see, I think what we need to understand is we keep thinking about this river as the Mississippi, the Chattahoochee, the Flint River, but we're talking about the river of life. We're talking about a river that we can't really see, but that it has all kind of effects on us and in us and through us. Because this river that we're talking about is the river of God, the river of the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's the Holy Spirit flowing because of what Jesus do, did for us on the cross. John recorded these words in John 37, 38. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Not a river, but rivers of living water. I, I, I chose this particular Translation because of those words, innermost being. When you look at innermost being in the Greek, there's a word that's called um, koilea, K-O-I-L-I-A. That's the Greek word. You know what that word, one of the meanings of that word? It means, it means from the womb, from the womb. So let's look at that again. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his womb. From their womb will flow rivers of living water. From that place where life is nurtured into its birth. From that place will flow rivers of living waters. It reminds me of when Jesus was talking to the, the Samaritan woman at the well. You remember that? John 4, go there when you get a chance. But what did he tell her? If you drink from this water that I'm trying to give you, yeah, wells of living water will flow. 
The other picture that I have for you is a picture that a young lady, Joanna Allman, she, she, it's not a picture, it's actually a piece of art. And, and you, anybody recognize it? Yeah, you see it right outside these double doors to the left of the sound booth. If you hadn't seen it, go out there and look at it. It's a great piece of art, and I think it, capture, or it captures what I'm talking about right here. It's not a river that we see. It's not a river that, that we are used to. It's a different kind of river because it's the Holy Spirit. And what she captured in this piece of art, because the, 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 the portion of the person with their arms stretched out wide in a posture of surrender is actually cut out. You, it's a cut-out portion. And what, what you see here is the river of God flowing from, from God himself. That's, that's, where, that's where it originated. See, the, the river we're talking about, this unseen river, is the river, it is God himself. So he doesn't need any tributaries. He doesn't need any feeder. He is, he's, everything that's needed is right there. And it flows now not just over us, but it flows in us. And it flows through us. And when it flows out the other side, God is, is, is sending his spirit forth to places that are dead, dying, and that are in need of life. And that is what we get a chance to participate in. And the ride is good. The ride is safe. We don't have to be afraid. In fact, people are out there dying to get what we have, and we need to go forth and share it with them. Keith touched on earlier that we are not meant to be an oasis where people come in here and we gather and we get a little drink of water and go out there and share it, get a little bucket and, and fill it up with some water and go share it. No, no, that's not what, you know, we, we, some of that happens. But ultimately, we're to do like the woman at the well did. We need to go out and tell somebody and share with somebody. And you know what? A town got turned upside down because of what happened to her when she drunk, when she heard about that water, and she was drinking of that water, and those rivers of life began to flow from her. And that's what we are to be as well. One last, one last word picture to share with you. And this one is not a picture that you can see. It's one that I, I pray that we will be able to see with our spiritual eyes. Because I think another reason why we're hesitant about getting into this river is because we don't know exactly where the river is headed and what exactly it is intended to do. But God doesn't leave us, he doesn't leave us alone with that. He gave John a vision of what that river looks like. Turn to John, I'm sorry, Revelation 22. Revelation 22. See, this river shows up again at the end of the book. Listen to what it says. Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, as clear as crystal. Oh, I love that part right there. As clear as crystal. Now, I know we think we know what clear as crystal means, but I believe this clear crystal that John saw was a clearness that we've never seen before, that we can only imagine. No impurities at all. Flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, God and Jesus, down the middle of the great street of the city. No longer is this going through a desert. It's going through a great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. That's what this river it's flowing forward. That's why it's flowing. That's what it's going to achieve. And you know what? It's going, God is going to achieve it whether we get in or not. But I believe that we do want to join in him, join with him in what he's doing. You see the picture we have here? 
This is, the tree of life wasn't mentioned in the Bible. It, it wasn't mentioned since Genesis 3, the last time we heard about the tree of life. But yet here it is, John gets a vision of the tree of life, and that's what's going to happen. And at the end of it, it says, no longer will there be any curse. You see, God is up to what? He's up to restoring, restoring his creation to what he intended it to be all along. And that's what we get a chance to participate in, my brothers. That's what, we get, that's what we get a chance to be a part of, my sisters. We get a chance to be in part of God's redemptive grace, going out to his people, going out to people who are hurting, people who are lost, families that are broken. We prayed about fatherhood earlier. You know, I believe that in this next season of our, of our life here as a church, if we would get into the river, we get in over our heads, you know, I believe that we would begin to affect that fatherlessness situation that I prayed about, that we prayed about earlier. Why can't, why is it that we can't have some positive effect on that right here amongst us? I believe that we can, and I believe that he wants us to. I believe that, I believe that community groups, community groups would just not be a resting place for us, but it would be a place where we would begin to go out into the community and, 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 and reproduce reproduce. See, because that whole scripture I read earlier about it being the womb, new life, reproduction, reproduction is one of the greatest signs of life. And I believe that's what God is up to. He's been up to it all along. And he's inviting us to join with him. In a couple of weeks, I don't know exactly when, but Keith said he's going to bring back a report about the student center. Let me tell you something. Let me share something with you. See, all of these things we were talking about, God, everything that he talked about with Mary Lou Malsby and, and how the finances, see, God was already moving. He was already moving. We just look around and see where he's moving and join in. See, that's the way it goes. Not that we have to invent it, create it. He's already moving. And this whole student center thing, I, I believe with all my heart that God is up to something far bigger than we, we thought in the, initially. Because, yes, we need a place to, to raise and disciple our youth. But, you know, I, I need to share something with you. One of the reasons why we're having this whole transition is because the bishops discerned, they felt God leading them to say, we need to, we need to start equipping pastors. We need to start bringing pastors in that are tired and bring them to a place where they could be rejuvenated and refreshed so they could go back out and pour back out into their people. We believe that, 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 that God is calling this body this body, to be a place to, to have interns come in and learn what it means to be in ministry, whether it be worship, whether it be pastoring, whether it be with youth. We believe that God is calling us to, to equip our young people so when they go out from here and go out into the church, we can reverse that trend of losing our young people to the world because if we can train them here and raise them up, they will take their place in the, in the schools and in the jobs and be ambassadors for Christ where they go. And, 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 and so it's bigger than what we ever thought of. And that's where God is moving. That's where he has been moving, and that's where he invites us to move with him. I believe that God wants to repair marriages in this community, in our church. And that same place can be used as a gathering place to empower others. Here's a question for us. The question is simply this. 
The question is, are we willing today to go in over our head? Personalize it. Are you willing today to go in over your head? I ask myself that question. Oh, I've been asking it. And you know what I've come to? Yes, Lord, I'm all in. I'm all in, Lord. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to flow with you. And I know you're going to take me to the right places. You're going to tell me the right things. You're going to share with me what to, sh- what to say, what not to say. I'm all in. Is anybody else all in with me? Is anybody else all in with me? Oh, I, I know that's a hard question. I could tell it by the look on your face. You say, oh, I don't know, Derek. I don't know. I don't know. Why don't we give us the opportunity to stay with that question for just a minute? Those that are praying, please come and make your way up to the altars. Prepare yourselves because there's going to be a response here in a minute. So if you are if designated to pray with someone today, come and make your way up to the altars. I, we put out a lot of stuff here, but it comes back down to this right here. I want, I, want to, I want to bring focus to this. I want to bring focus to this. Are you willing today to go in over your head? I know, I know. I, I, look, nobody gets it better to me, than me. I mean, even though I've been, I, I'm, I'm, I'm coming into this season, it's a temptation to just ride it out. You know, we got a great staff. You know, you heard Nick was going to be executive pastor. That guy's talented, out of the, man, so talented. I could just ride it out. But no, 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 no. God said, no, I don't want you to ride it out. I want you to get in over your head. I want you to get into the point where you have to depend totally on me. And you know what? I'm there. And I'm getting there. And it's just loving it because it's, it's, it's like you get to experience all of God when you do that. This, this student center, this, see, we, you know, we have been good about uh, uh, raising up missionaries and sending them out, 16 of them. You know, we, we've been good about raising up leaders of ministry. You know, we've got young life leaders and, and teen advisors. And, 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 you know, I, don't let me try to get out. I miss somebody. We've even sent out pastors that's planted churches. But, but I believe God is saying, okay, that's great. That's great. And, and you were waist deep. But are you willing to get in over your head? Are you willing to become an equipping and sending church? Are you willing to be an equipping and sending church? And if that's too big for you, maybe it's just that thought that the Holy Spirit has got on your mind right now, in your heart right now. What is it he's calling you to? And are you willing to go in over your